Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Praise the Lord. We're going to open up our Bibles this evening. Romans chapter 12, if you'll join me there. Romans chapter 12. Now, you all know that, uh, that I don't go out of my way to, um, to preach overly controversial subjects and topics, and uh, that is not my aim tonight. However, it is extremely important in the time that we are living that we have a biblical view of the world that God has called us to reach. And... Uh, you cannot help but ignore that we are entering a season once again where you are going to be confronted. You don't have a choice in this matter. Wherever you shop, whatever stores you go to, uh, where whatever restaurants you might attend this in this upcoming month, you it's going to be in your face. The Pride Month of LGBTQ+, my uh, Google Calendar has been reminding me for two weeks already that tomorrow will be the first day of Pride Month. And so that means Pride Parades and festivities happening all across North America and even around the world. And it seems like this only seems to pick up steam with every passing year, more and more people joining the celebration. 
As I was uh, looking around online and uh, trying to keep my eyes safe, I counted up 21 Pride events happening right here in Hampton Roads over the next 30 days. 21 of them, major events. But one of them really caught my attention. Uh, How many of you have been to the Slover Library in Norfolk, downtown Norfolk? It's a huge facility. It's an amazing place. Uh, they, they renovated it a few years back and turned it into an incredible facility for, uh, for studying and, um, they, they hold events there. It's really quite a remarkable place. So, uh, but I was amazed to find that this was happening on Saturday, the 24th of June. This is, um, drag queen bingo to celebrate pride month at Slover library and uh, what's, what's amazing to me about this is what it says down here in the corner, all ages. And so it would be one thing, you know, if this was happening in a strip club or in a bar or in a restaurant where it's 18 or 21 plus, but this is aimed at our kids in a public library in downtown Norfolk to celebrate pride. Now, again, it's one thing if this is in the world. It's one thing if this is out there. But the problem that we are confronted with is when the celebration of pride begins to affect the church of Jesus Christ. And I've got another picture here to show you. There are many people who are confused about what it means to love the world. Now, there are many Christians, entire congregations, and what you're seeing on the screen now is an example of an entire denomination that has positioned itself to support and even celebrate the uh, trans uh, pride movement. And this this was a screenshot I took from their current website, EpiscopalChurch.org. And their position is that this is what love looks like. We want to be loving. We want to be accepting. We want to welcome people. And, you know, you can kind of get a feel for being friendly and accepting and tolerant and all of those things. We want to we make sure people are feeling loved. But I want to share with you tonight the story of why this is something that you and I cannot just simply Sit back and let it happen. There's a story of a young lady named Chloe Cole. She's an 18-year-old woman. You can put her picture up there. She's a young woman, and she is rapidly becoming one of the most powerful voices against transitioning children. She is described as a former trans kid. She was uh, after... Uh, she was. She has now detransitioned after undergoing years of puberty blockers and an irreversible double mastectomy at the age of 15. She now travels across the country to share her story. I just want to share with you a few highlights of her story to show you why this is not just something we can just tolerate and love and accept. We've got to be aware tonight of what we are dealing with with Pride Month. Cole grew up in Northern California. She was just 11 years old, 11 years old, when she was first exposed to gender ideology through online social media platforms. Her testimony is that she lacked female role models 
had body image issues and was early exposed to LGBTQ content. Unmonitored internet access propelled her struggle with gender dysphoria. The, uh, it wasn't long before she came to her parents and declared that she was a boy trapped in a girl's body. Her parents, of course, were very highly concerned and loving and wanted to support her and help her in her time of need. So they took her to a place that specialized in this kind of care. And the gender clinic that they took her to gave the parents the classic false dichotomy, which is, would you rather have a dead daughter or a living son? Citing to her all the statistics of how if you resist or, or if you try to, to, uh, to stop her from making this transition, that she's going to become suicidal. And so at the age, listen to this, at the age of 13 years old, she was put on puberty blockers and testosterone. It had a massive amount of negative side effects. Uh, she had hot flashes all the time and an endless feeling of listlessness and boredom and depression. Her quote is, for me, it was pretty bad, like they were making my whole body itchy. There were certain days I couldn't even wear sweaters or long pants in cold weather. She now continues to experience joint pain from weakened bone density, a known side effect of puberty blockers. She has allergies and ongoing urinary tract infection symptoms, but all of this is nothing compared to the double mastectomy that she went to, underwent at age 15. They put her on the operating table to remove both of her breasts. She went through, uh, this was at age 15, and she had completely transitioned uh, socially. She was wearing boys' clothing, acting like a boy in school. People had accepted this transition, but by her own testimony, she says she never fully felt like a boy. And she went through a long period of grief as finally she came to regret everything that she had went through. And in 2021, she detransitioned back into a female. And that realization took place. Listen how it happened. She was in a psychology class studying monkeys. And even in the, uh, the primate world, the lesson that she was learning was about the attachment between a mother monkey and her baby infant monkey and how the, that, that uh, maternal um, uh, bonding occurred through breastfeeding. This is her testimony. At the time I was taking the class, I was 11 months after my operation. I realized what I had taken away from myself because I was allowed to make this decision when I was barely in my mid-teens. I'll never have the experience. I'll never even have the option of breastfeeding my own children and bonding with them in that way. Thank God she is now an activist. She is speaking out against this, and she is, uh, she is improving. Her life is getting better. But tonight, what I want to do, I want to reveal to you from the scriptures, what is our position in all of this? What you are seeing in the life of Chloe Cole is the dangers. If Christians do nothing or say nothing, and we just go along to get along and let the world continue to run around us as it's supposed to, as, as they want it to run. I believe we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. 
We are called to be representatives of the kingdom of God on earth. And so you have to ask, how does the kingdom of God think about the story of Chloe Cole? What would Jesus think about Pride Month? It's very interesting that they label this Pride Month, pride being one of the seven deadly sins. And it's amazing to me uh, that many Christians have not thought about this or, or because it's uncomfortable or there's an icky factor. I'm hoping to get through that tonight to help you see from a biblical point of view. Can we do that tonight? Let's read the Word of God, Romans chapter 12, one verse, very simple. You can memorize it before you leave it here tonight. And I'm reading from the New International Version just because it's simple tonight. And this scripture says these words, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Three statements that when joined together are extremely powerful. Let me read them one more time. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to to what is good. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the spirit of the living God, which gives us clarity in very confusing times. I'm praying, God, that your people would be able to hear your voice in the midst of this service and this message tonight. God, don't let me go beyond in my authority or uh, in your scriptures. I'm praying, God, that you would give us understanding, clarity, and wisdom, and especially for young people in this place, that they would have wisdom and discernment in an hour of such great confusion. Lord, let us hold true to hold fast to what is true. And God, let us hate truly what is evil. And we give you glory for what you're going to do tonight in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. This is a message that I've titled, True Love Means. What does true love mean? Now, uh, let's firstly look at the idea of true love. True love tonight must be, our scripture says, must be sincere. That means it must be honest. It must be genuine. Have you ever had somebody tell them they love you or tell you that they love you, but they don't mean it? They're not sincere. Or maybe their lips are saying, I love you, but their actions are saying something else. That is the definition of an insincere or a hypocritical type of love. Our scripture is calling the people of God to be able to see and act out a true and sincere and a genuine love for the world. We know that Christians are called to love. We're called to love even our enemies. Isn't that right? We're called to love our families. Yeah, it's, we want to love our home, our spouse, our children. Uh, we want to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, and Christ even takes it to that extreme, and he says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor. I say to you, love your enemies. Whoa, that's mind-blowing. Love my en- They're trying to hurt me. And Jesus says, yes, even the love of the Christian ought to extend even to our enemies. And so we have to think about what does it mean? What does true love actually mean? And so does it mean, does true love mean acceptance at all costs? Love does include acceptance, but love is not defined 
by acceptance. Let me tell you what I mean tonight. If you've, how many of you are parents in this place? Let me see your hand. Okay, you know what it's like then to bring home a little bundle of joy from that hospital. And can I tell you, those early days of having a newborn baby are so beautiful. It's a lot of work, you know, but uh, the, there's just, you, you can't describe the love that you feel for this little creature that has just come into the world. It's a supernatural bond, especially between mother and child, but also between both parents and that new baby. We love those little babies, don't we? We love them, and we'd be willing. Uh, I, I, I can remember so clearly thinking to myself, I would take a bullet for this child. I don't even know who she is. I don't know her personality. But I would take a bullet for that kid because I love her. Now, newborns, we love them so much that we will accept them into our home. Is that true? But there are some things about newborn babies that are unacceptable. And what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, you know, newborns, they make dirty diapers. They make, uh, they make uh, pukey faces. And what I'm saying to you is if you leave a newborn without cleaning it, without washing that baby, without changing its diapers, it very quickly turns into a dangerous situation. Could you imagine leaving a baby in a crib without tending it, without washing it, without changing its diapers? If you did that for a week, that's unacceptable. Is that correct? And so you accept that baby, but you understand that that baby is, there are a few things that that baby does that are unacceptable that you have to deal with. And one of the first things that you teach a child how to do is how to use the potty. How to understand that your body creates substances that you don't want to be around for very long. You want to put them into a place where you can push the little lever, and those substances go away. This is one of our first lessons we teach to our children. We love you. We accept you. We are willing to pay the bills so you can have a comfortable place to live. But there are some things that we do not accept. Feces is one of them. And as they grow, the list of unacceptable things begins to grow. We do not accept kids to have foul breath. That's why we teach them to brush their teeth. We do not expect, we do not accept for them to have stinky armpits. And so we give them deodorant. And we teach them how to turn it, how to put it on. And then we deal with the more difficult areas, which is the foul attitudes that come from the heart. And we teach them how to have self-control. Right? Am I right? Am I hitting? uh, Is everybody tracking with me tonight? We accept and we love our kids, and I would take a bullet for my kids, but there are a few things that I still do not accept in my house. I don't accept disrespect. I don't accept laziness. Matters of the heart. I don't accept anger and rage. I don't accept fighting. And what this is, is I'm training them that, yes, we love you, we care about you, but true love says, I don't accept everything. There is a wicked world around us that seems to think that if you do not accept me the way that I am, then that means you hate me. And that is not the truth tonight. 
There is a whole group of people in the world that says, if I express my sexuality in this certain way, or if I, as a man, begin to put on women's clothing and uh, women's makeup and hair and act like a woman, women's mannerisms, if I put that on and you don't accept me, that means you hate me as a human being. And that is not true. True love is able to accept people without accepting all of their behaviors. Are you with me tonight? So it is important for us to understand that true love does demand that we, uh, that we defend humanity of every person who's made in God's image. So there's a lot of people living in sin. Guess what? We were once living in sin. Aren't you glad God's loved you enough in your sins to die for you? And this is what the Bible says of how we should treat our neighbor. Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine: You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't say any qualifications there about your neighbor. It doesn't say that you shall love your neighbor if he loves you back. Or you shall love your neighbor if he uh, is married to a male or a female. Or love your neighbor if he mows his lawn or doesn't mow his lawn. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no qualifications there. Just love your neighbor. So the Bible does declare that even people who are in sin and broken and lost and confused and living in in all kinds of uh, wickedness... Yes, we should love and accept people as children, as those made in God's image. And we should defend their intrinsic value and see potential in people. But that doesn't mean that we accept everything that they do. God has animosity towards sin. And that's why we say tonight, that's why our scripture says, Love must be sincere. It has to be genuine. I can't pretend that I love you. I can't pretend that I love everything that you do if you're living in obvious sins. It is because I love my children, I have to tell them the truth, even when it hurts. See, if I hated my kids, I would not correct them. That's what the proverb says. Those who refuse to to correct your child, that means you hate them. So true love has to confront. True love has to declare righteousness because true love has to be honest. Think of a think of a situation where maybe there's a there's a a man uh, in a church. He calls himself a Christian, and all of a sudden he uh, he gets the an idea to divorce his wife. Uh, this is not here anybody here in our church, obviously, but if there was such a situation where a man was trying to divorce his wife and uh, not not for any valid reason, but simply because he's tired of her or they're incompatible, and these this decision that he makes is having a bad effect on his wife and young daughter, obviously, would it be right as a pastor or as a fellow church member to say, "Brother, I support you in your decision to divorce your wife." Is that love? Would love be able to honestly say, I'll stick up for you? No, true love has to say, brother, if your wife has been faithful to you, then you've got to stay with her. You've got to defend her. You've got to work things out. But so many in the church world, because of their own 
compromise, many begin to celebrate those decisions. We are called to love our neighbors. We are called to love even our LGBTQ plus neighbors. But that doesn't mean we love everything that they do. I can love somebody on death row who has murdered people. I can care for them. But that doesn't mean I have to agree with their decision to murder people. Sincere. When the Bible says love must be sincere, the word literally is ahipakros. It means without. A is the prefix. That means the opposite of hypocrisy. It means I don't just pretend to love people. It means love has to be genuine. Love can't be fake and phony. Phony baloney. True love has to be sincere. And if it's going to be sincere, it means we have to be honest. Say the word honest. Can I tell you, in a world that we are living in now, one of the most uncommon virtues is honesty. I mentioned in the Sunday school uh, this last Sunday, uh, how, how many of us have ever felt afraid because we can't say what we honestly think in every place that we go? Is that true? Isn't that sad? In the United States of America, home of the uh, land of the free and home of the brave, and yet we find ourselves very commonly, and especially believers, find themselves in situations, if I say what I honestly think, what I honestly believe, the consequences could be terrible. So what is the honest truth about the LGBTQ plus movement? What is the honest truth? When it comes down to it, it is sin. Now, I want to say tonight that it is not particularly worse than any other sin. That I will have exactly the same outrage toward a fornicator who is heterosexual. And what I mean by that is we we shouldn't put a certain class or a certain group on their own just because it's within this group. But what I'm saying is that it is sin. Romans 1, verse 22 professing to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Verse 24, therefore God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And for this reason, verse 26, God gave them up to vile passions Women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of women, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Is that still in your Bible? Still in mine. And you know what? That doesn't change based on what is popular today. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, proud, there it is, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also, listen, also 
who approve of those who practice them. So before we get all hot and bothered pointing at the people doing those things, it also says deserving of death also those who approve of those who practice them. Remember that picture of the church painted in rainbow colors. Those who approve. This is, this is honest. Before we can get to the good news, we've got to be honest, church. We have to be sincere. We can't truly love people unless we're honest and sincere and genuine. We have to be real. We can't paint over. We can't just, we can't just pretend that the dirty diaper doesn't exist. It does exist. And it has to be thrown away. Ephesians 5, verse 5, no fornicator, no unclean person, no covetous man has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Remember, we're called to be ambassadors. We're called to stand in the place of being the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We're called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And we cannot do that if these scriptures are foreign to us. We never read them, never think about them, and then we don't apply them. Revelation 21, verse 8. I love Revelation because it talks about the glory which is to come. But in Revelation 21, verse 8, it tells us who is not going to be in heaven. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Liars. That has to do with truth, sincerity, genuineness. All liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. How can I love someone and not tell them about this? If someone was in a house that caught on fire across the street from me, and I knock on the door, I say, is anybody home? I see the flames. I say, yes, I'm up here in the second floor. I say, good luck. That's not right. I must hate that person. If I love them, I have to be honest. Your house is burning down. It's going to be destroyed. You're going to die unless you get out. And this is our message to the pride movement. You are not some special category of sinner. We don't hate you as a person. It is your sin that is destroying you. It's the same message that I would say to a couple that is sleeping together without marriage. It's the same message that I would say to someone who is uh, given to drugs and alcohol. It's the same message that we, that we give to the church kid who has never been saved sitting on the front row. Your sin is killing you. You need forgiveness. Are you with me tonight? That is what true love, truly sincere love looks like. So let's look secondly then at the second phrase of this scripture, which is hate what is evil. That is a strong word tonight, and it's not a word that preachers will preach on very often. I'm instructing all of you to hate. But this is exactly the command that Paul is giving to the Roman church, that there are some things in life that you do need to hate. Are you with me tonight? Christians are not supposed to be consumed by hate or controlled by hate. But there are things that we need to hate. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about evil. 
in the book of 1 Corinthians, there is an interesting story that there is happening in the midst of the church there in Corinth, there is happening some wickedness. And uh, it's uh, it's almost embarrassing to even read it. So nasty. But in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 1 and 2, it says it is reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And such immorality is not even named among the Gentiles, a man with his father's wife. Now, this is, this is horrible stuff uh, that, that they, that they uh, have hooked up. This is like hookup culture right here in first century uh, uh, Greece right here. And so the, what Paul is reacting to is not the fact that that sin is happening. Like sin happens. You expect sinners to sin. The Corinthian, uh, the, the whole area of Corinth was saturated in sexual immorality. So that's, that's not what Paul is angry about. What he's angry about is that it's happening in the church. And they're not doing anything about it. Verse 2, he says, you are puffed up and have not mourned about this. That he who has done this deed might be taken away from you. In other words, Paul is saying, what's wrong with you? That you allow this and that you are prideful, like you're sticking up for them. You're defending what's happening in the church. Verse 5, he says, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved. There's the love. Paul says, even though this is sinful and nasty, I don't want this person to perish forever. He says, deliver them, cast them out of the congregation so that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. He says, your glorying is not good. What we see in that scripture is the same mistake that many Christians are making today. It's okay for me to tolerate. It's okay for me to support. It's okay for me to celebrate together with someone who has chosen this lifestyle. And maybe Paul would have to say the same thing to us. How can you be puffed up? You should be mourning about this, just the same way we mourn about every other sin. We should mourn when someone is murdered. We should mourn over a broken and a damaged marriage. We should mourn that. We should mourn over someone who is addicted to drugs and alcohol. We should mourn when someone is uh, consistently lying and causing all kinds of trouble. And we should also mourn at rampant sexual immorality that goes unjudged. So true love tonight, true love has to hate what is evil. Hatred is included. Listen, I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. Uh, Some people think that love and hate are diametrically opposed or they're opposites. What's the opposite of love? Hatred. But that is not true. Because if I love some things, that means I also have to hate other things. Let me tell you what I mean. If I love my wife, then if someone tries to make a move on her, I'm going to hate that. It means if I love my children and somebody tries to harm them, I'm going to hate that that action against them. Because I love, then that means I also have to hate. The true opposite of love is not hatred. It's indifference. It's when I don't care anymore. When I'd rather let things slide instead of having a confrontation. 
this is this is the evil of the Corinthian church that they they had grown indifferent and cold to the evil. It was like there was a snake present in the garden of the church. And they were just letting that thing slither around and bite whoever it wanted to. And Paul is saying, no, guys, no, you can't let this. It, just, don't you know a little leaven can leaven the whole lump? Before you know it, the whole church can be infected. True love has to hate evil. In 1 Corinthians 13, we have the famous love chapter that we quote at weddings, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. He goes on to say in verse 5 and 6, love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It, do, it is not provoked. And it thinks no evil. See, true love when there is evil present, has to turn away. I want to say true love does not participate in every evil action. I love you, but I can't go with you to that place. Ephesians 5 verse 8 is an interesting scripture as well. For once you were in darkness, speaking to the church, but now you are in the light. So you ought to walk as children of light. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship. Say no fellowship. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in the secret. But all these things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep arise from the dead. The reason I quote that scripture is because, personally, as a Christian, I'm talking to you now for myself. This maybe is not a revelation from the scripture exactly, but for me, for Adam Dragoon, child of God, leader of the Potter's House Church, I am not going to give my hard-earned dollars to a company that is going to puke rainbows over me every time I enter their store. I'm not going to do it. I can find other places to shop. I am not going to, to Target where they're going to push uh, chest binders on my little girls, where they're going to push uh, uh, bathing suits for little boys that are going to, I don't want to get into the details here, but they're going to do bad things to their private parts. Why would I go and give my money that the church is paying to me for my salary and I'm going to go to that store and, and give them a profit? Why would I do that? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. I'm not going to do it. You're going to be assaulted in the next 30 days. Every company it thinks that it's in their corporate interest to puke out rainbows and LGBTQ flags. And my personal conviction is if I see that, I'm just not going to spend money there. Is that wrong? That might mean it's going to be a little bit harder for me, for my family, to buy some things. But it also means that for me, I don't want to have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. I love the people, but I hate. I hate what they're doing. I hate what they're doing to little children. I hate that they're normalizing deviant behavior. I hate that people like Chloe Cole think that it was okay to mutilate their bodies 
at 15 years old. I hate that. And it's okay to hate that. I believe God hates that. But let's close on a positive note. Because if all we do is hate what is evil, we pretty quickly become very grumpy people. The good news is that we have something to cling to. Our scripture says as we close, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. Tonight we have the mandate. We cannot support or celebrate wickedness, but what we can do and what we must do, church, is we must cling to those things that are good. We must meditate on what is righteous and true. We must keep our minds, our hearts, and our thoughts cemented in the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have, this is not always an easy thing to do in a world that is getting darker and nastier all around us. And even to preach a sermon like this is to navigate into some dark places. But what we must do tonight is we must keep our minds right. This scripture began in Romans chapter 12, where it says that we have to renew our minds. Our minds must be renewed. We have to be transformed by the word of God. In a world that is so evil, God calls us to cling, to hold on to, to stick fast with what is good. Now, the problem with that is your flesh doesn't like to do that. Your flesh will cling to what is evil or maybe not evil. Your flesh clings to things that are just not good. What do I mean by that? I mean that, you know, if I have, if, if I have a choice on my podcast feed between listening to the latest talk show about the politics and, and, and then the next one down is a sermon, you know, my flesh always wants to go to politics first and listen to the sermon second. Why is that? And I find myself, uh, instead, you know, my mind can get wrapped up in the news of the day and the things that, and that's not evil. But I'm saying what I should be doing, my priority should be the things of God. Cling to what is good. I'm not saying be uninformed. I'm not saying put your head in the sand. But I'm saying tonight what the scripture says is hold fast to the things that are good and righteous and beautiful. This is the best way that we can model a life that will draw people in. This is exactly what Jesus did. Can I tell you, Jesus loved sinners. Aren't you glad? When he was on the earth, he loved sinners. And this is great news because guess who we are? we're sinners. We have fallen short of God's glory. And we find that in the scriptures, Jesus spending time hanging out with people of ill report, bad reputation, prostitutes and the like. And he was rebuked by the Pharisees for spending too much time with the icky people. And Jesus would go to their house, to their home. In Matthew 9, verse 10, Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and the disciples. The Pharisees said, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Ew! But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. 
For I came not to call the righteous, but to call sinners. Jesus did not call them righteous. He called them sinners. And he was willing to meet with them right where they were, thank God. But he did not affirm them in their sins. Hello? He didn't say, I welcome you with all of your prostitution. To the woman caught in adultery, what did he say? Go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. That means you need to stop sinning. Your life needs to change. There needs to be a difference. If we're going to receive what Christ has for us, it begins with humility, not pride. It begins with bowing our knee to him, not standing up and being proud. This movement, this movement that we are facing today is demonic. I don't hate the people, but I hate the demonic presence behind them that is leading people to destruction. And sometimes, listen, this is what love must do. We have to stand up for what's right. When you see the Los Angeles Dodgers inviting a group of people, men, called the the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, to perform for Pride Night at a Dodgers game, like baseball. You're supposed to be able to take your family to a baseball game. But here's a, a, a national, a national a baseball team who invites a, a group of men who are dressed up like nuns doing all kinds of perverse activities. I'm not going to even try to describe them. It is a mockery of everything that is good and faithful and true. If you're Catholic, man, you should be upset about I know nobody here. But listen, I, I, I can imagine there's a few Catholic people in Los Angeles. I can't see how they would... Go to a baseball game ever again. They're inviting. This, I don't want to get off on a tangent. But listen, true love, true love can't just say, I'm okay with that. Can't just accept it. Just lay down and, no, true love has to stand up and say, this is wrong. What about the kids? What about the children that are going to see that? I don't even want to see that. But the children... We need to be reminded tonight how simple spiritual bedrock truth can set us free. When you feel the world pulling on you, I want to remind you once again, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, and let's be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Jesus who made a, he made a way for sinners. He made a path for them, but he never excused their sins. That's what we need to do as a church. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.